Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I am Melissa Mason. And I'm Laura Brodnick. We are talking today about The Block, a TV show I did not watch, but I now wish that I'd watched. It has gripped the nation. No, it actually has it gripped the nation. It actually has like gripped the no nation. no one's talking about anyone else on Mamma Mia or content around it is going crazy with people clicking on it. It's just the drama that's unfolding this week. I have like full FOMO. Like what's the past tense of FOMO? I don't know what that is. SOMO, sadness of missing out. Oh, yeah. So I have huge SOMO about the block (laughs) because, yeah, the drama is crazy. So because we did not watch this season, we've gotten Mamma Mia's expert. She has been across the show since the beginning. I'm talking about Shannon Findlay. She's going to be here to cover all the drama you might have missed. We can't wait. But first, we've got the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Kicking things off today, a bit of Netflix news, our favourite kind. Well, maybe not in this case because Netflix have confirmed that Dharma Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story, a very controversial show that came out this year starring Evan Peters, has been ordered for an additional two new seasons. How? So, well, <laughs> every single person watched it and Netflix yes. works on an algorithm. So everyone who's but outraged like, what are they going to do? What are they going to cover? Well, they're doing two new serial killers. So it's oh. kind of going to be like, because it's Ryan Murphy, it'll be like American Horror Story, which I note is shit this season. Oh. Or like American Crime Story, so this will okay. be like the Monster series. So it'll be like Ted Bundy or something. Yeah, so they're going to do two new seasons and each one of them will be on a different serial killer, but they haven't said which real-life monstrous figure who impacted society will be included. But it would have gone nuts on the streamer and mm. everyone obviously pushed against it and there was a lot of talk around it being too much. I feel like you watched it and turned off. Didn't love it. Yeah, finished one episode and then switched it off. But no judgment to anyone else that loved it. It did very, very well. Well, downloads don't lie and obviously Netflix is a business and they're here to make money. So they saw everyone watching the series in full, so they're bringing it back. In other TV news, I feel really weird lumping these two together. But because there was, I'm happy about one and sad about the other. I know. Well, there's two big TV stories today and we didn't want to leave you guys hanging, so we've weirdly put the Dharma story next to Kath and Kim. So, <laughs> so a, a very exciting email arrived in my inbox this morning and it was from Channel 7 saying, join the party at Four Lagoon Court Fountain Lakes where Hornbags Kath and Kim are celebrating 20 years of being classy with a two-night television event. So obviously we knew the big reunion was coming. Mm-hmm. We now know it's going to start on Sunday, the 20th of November and they gave us our first trailer for the series. But what are Australia's biggest Hornbags? up to now. I'm catfishing. Catfishing? Oh, that sounds nice. They're living the high life. 
Hello, Christmas. Don't you two look flies? Uh, don't know how, but Kimmy's done us. Yep, we're officially stanky rich. Kath and Kim, our effluent life. Look at me. So, as we knew before, our Effluent Life, the new series, is going to feature new scenes with all of our favourites, Kath, Kim, Sharon, Kel, Bretty, Marion, Prue, True, <laughs> there's all the names in there, along with a lot of special guests who I'm sure, like, I don't know if we had the full list before, Kylie mm. Minogue, oh, Michael Bublé, Adam Gilchrist, Ricky Ponting, what? Carson Cressley, Eric Banner. <laughs> Stephen K. Amos, Matt Lucas, oh Mick Malloy, God. Stephen Page, Richard E. Grant. That is crazy. What is happening? Barry Humphreys and a former Prime Minister. <gasps> I'm shocked. Honestly, this is the television event of the year. So the first part of the 20-year celebration, Channel 7 Confirm, will also feature a special tribute to Shane Warne, who obviously oh, like was yeah. part of the show. Remember he and Sharon had a very famous make-out oh, <laughs> situation. There's also going to be highlights from the Logies and the AFL Grand Final where they're in costumes. So it's all happening there. So mark it in your calendars. The 20th of November, Kath and Kim are coming back. Well, Rebel Wilson is a mum. The Pitch Perfect star shared a picture of her new daughter, Royce Lillian, via Instagram overnight. Royce was born via surrogate and Rebel thanked her surrogate, saying she carried her and birthed her with such grace and care. Rebel also thanked everyone involved in what she said was a years-long process, adding at the end that she's learning quickly and has much respect to mums out there. This always scares me, Laura, when I see mums write this because I'm like, what? Is motherhood. It sounds terrifying. Sounds hard. <laughs> sounds, sounds if hard, you work guys. in women's media, you would have just only seen the worst parts of motherhood for many years, <laughs> how terrible and lonely it is. So it is quite scary. Yes, but look, I'm so happy for her. It was really sweet. The picture is so cute, and we're obviously going to put it on the Spill Instagram page for you guys to check out. But it also comes off the back of some, like, chaotic news, right? Yeah, so she was in the headlines all weekend before any of the baby yes. stuff. Like, that was super under wraps. It didn't leak at all, which I think goes to show that her inner circle was being super private about it because mm. sometimes these things do, you know, TMZ finds a hospital record. But it came out over the weekend that she and her girlfriend, Ramona, were engaged. Mm. And that story bubbled away in major headlines for three days to the point where the engagement, like, story, as in, like, how they proposed to each other was out there. People were talking about where the wedding was going to be. It really flew off the handle. Mm. And I think three days later, Rebel put up a photo of her and Ramona on her Instagram and said, hey, guys, thanks for all the well wishes. We're not engaged. But I feel like no one picked that up because today when the baby news broke, everyone's like, oh, and she got engaged. <laughs> and I had to say, no, she didn't. She, she didn't. very clearly said, we are not engaged. And I was, she's probably thinking, oh, God, I'm about to drop the baby news next yeah. week. She probably had in her head that she would release it. And it's coming off the back of this big media circus about her engagement, which is fine. Like, it's yeah. very sweet. And I love this wave of celebrities who were like, kind of normalising different routes to motherhood yes. in saying that obviously you need a bucket load of money yes. and to be in a different country to do surrogacy. But I really love that there's this new trend of celebrities just being like, here's how I found a path to motherhood. It's not the traditional one, but it's great and everyone really embracing that. Yeah. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au.
So even if you don't watch The Block, you've heard about the drama that's come from the finale, I am sure, because I have and Laura has. Let's take a moment to congratulate our winners, Omar and Oz, an incredible result. They'll be taking home $1,586,666.66. They have smashed the Block record, can we just say? It's disappointing. We spent more than 20 grand of our savings to be here, but. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. It is. We got a healthy kid. We got jobs. That's we'll go it. back to normal life. <laughs> People are a lot worse off than us, so yeah, we're still happy still to be lucky. alive. It aired on Sunday night and there's honestly, it feels like there's like 75 different controversies doing the yeah. rounds. <laughs> it all stems from some shock results from the auctions. And look, it's a lot. So we enlisted the help of Shannon Findlay. She's been covering the block all season for Mamma Mia. She knows everything. She's the block expert. She's very wise. Hello, Shannon. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to talk about my one true love, The Block. <laughs> well, you've been like in the thick of this since the first episode. You've been doing the recaps and the room reveals and you kept saying in the yeah. office that there was drama a-brewing and like we believed you, but we didn't really know the drama until it hit our screens. All care. You can say that. <laughs> All care. No, we do. Well, we can now yeah. that everyone's talking about it. So, Shannon, there was obviously a bit of drama in the lead up to the finale episode. I know you did some yeah. cast interviews. There were some headbuttings. What was that about? Were there some sort of fights between the cast before the final episode? It was interesting because throughout the whole season, they were pretending they all liked each other. Like, and it's fine. You can pretend because it's such a stressful environment. Mm. But obviously, Anka and Sharon, they had house three on the block. They have technically the biggest house by 80 square metres. Tom and Sarah Jane kind of thought they were useless, which is like they were they didn't have any Renault experience. Mm. Everyone was, you know, against them. But really, the drama kind of started with Omer and Oz when during lounge room week, Omer and Oz spent $7,000 on a baby grand piano. What? And... Yeah, the retail price of it is about 38000 Oh, wow. Yeah. So they obviously got a bargain. They just asked if they could pay their max, which was seven grand, And that's against the block rules. You can't get more than a 50% discount oh. on anything that you buy from the block with block money. So everyone was kind of like, they're cheaters. They're being dodgy. It's not fair. And that's kind of where the drama Started, I guess, because people were like, Omer and Oz are just not playing the game fairly. And Omer and Oz are like, well, we're just playing it better than you guys. Yeah, because I know that they made the most money off their sale. Like they made like $1.5 million or something, which is like a record in block history. I do know a few things yep. about the block now, guys. I've been reading the headlines. <laughs> and then because everyone was like, oh, they've got this like friend there because there were two bidders and those mm. two bidders were going head to head, but one of them was their friend and everyone's calling him Lambo guy because he showed up in a Lamborghini, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah. And so <laughs> is that why that is so contentious because of this cheating scandal? I guess the whole season they were always spending so much money and obviously they were just being really smart with how they mm. spent their money, but people thought that they were doing things like hiring and firing their tradies so that they wouldn't have to pay them. And Omer and Oz were like, no, we fire our tradies who don't do the job right. Of yeah. course we're not going to pay them if they don't do the job. And then on auction day, Adrian Portelli comes on the scene. He's Lambo guy. Okay. He's like an online promotions guru. 
that's what he says he is. I love everything about, about this man already. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. And he's worth about $8 million. And he and Danny Wallace, who is like an auction favorite, the block loves him. He's bought over a dozen houses from the block. They go into an all-out bidding war. And everyone was really uncomfortable because, as you guys said, everyone thinks Adrian and Omar and Oz are friends. And Omar and Oz came out and clarified this and said, he's a friend of a friend. Mm. Yeah, we used all our resources. We just called everyone that we thought would be interested in the house. He was interested in the house. I mean, can you blame them? They no. were just using, <laughs> Yeah, they were using every single resource that they had. And people were saying, this is so dodgy. This isn't fair. Obviously, he's just trying to drive up the price of their house so that Wallace would pay more. A lot of people watching the show said, why isn't he at the other four houses? Obviously, he's trying to drive up the prices. Why are there photos of Omar and Oz with Adrian? And Omar and Oz were like, well, we have a unique house. It's a bloody bachelor pad, for God's sake. Like, it's not. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, yeah, Omar and Oz's house was super unique. Obviously, if you want one house, you're going to bid on one house. What's the point of bidding $4 million on a house you don't want? So, yeah, it's just been unfair for Omar and Oz. I love how you've really taken a side with this, Shannon. I can see where your loyalties lie. How did this lead into the rest of the drama with the auction? Because I understand, and I'm saying this from a person who hasn't watched The Block before, I only know about Elle yeah. Ferguson leaving. I thought yes. that was the big drama for the season, but oh, we just no. didn't, we didn't know what was in front of us. I understand like a few of the houses for the first time didn't sell and there was a lot of backlash around that. Yes, because, you know, they spent three months, you know, blood, sweat, tears, pulled tendons out. <laughs> They had major tradie shortages, horrific weather. You know, they come to the end and they're like, yes, we can finally put our houses on the market. But the thing is, is that I think this context is necessary because House 1 and House 5, so that's Tom and Sarah Jane who were projected to be the winners the whole season Mm. and Omer and Oz who actually turned out to be the winners, they were the only ones that had registered bidders. So those are people that were definitely going to be bidding on the house. The other three houses didn't have that. So they all had to meet the reserve price of $4.08 million. And keep in mind, only the teams, Scott, Cam, and those working on the block behind the scenes know what the reserve prices are. But bidders don't know. They have no idea. So they just have to keep bidding. And it won't be until the block house reaches its reserve price that the auctioneer will be like, okay, you can like have the house if that's there. Three of the houses didn't even make it above the reserve price, which is $4.08 million, which is just what the house is worth plus what the block is owed. The block contestants don't even make a profit from that. So that was Dylan and Jenny, Uncle and Sharon, and Rachel and Ryan. Rachel and Ryan eventually ended up selling it because they were like, let's pull this off and ask Wallace if he'll pay more. Wallace eventually did. He's like, yeah, I'll pay more. But technically, there could have been three houses that just didn't sell on auction, which is so sad. Mm. I was going to ask as well, because this is like what really interested me as a non-block watcher. So there's this guy that you mentioned, and he bought three of the houses this season, and he did the same last year and the year before. And it's just like three houses every season, right, that he's bought? Yes, it's crazy. So his name's Danny Wallace. He's an IT entrepreneur. He founded the technology company DWS, sold it in 2020 for like $126 million cash. He just had it in his bank straight away, which is just wild. Oh, my God. And he spent, wait for it, 
$42 million on block properties. Oh, see that? I smell a rat. Oh, really? I was just going to ask Shannon, do we know, is Danny single or what's that situation like? (laughs) I don't think so. The housing market is hard right now. The the housing market is hard. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We've just got to get this information out. Hit him up, hit him up. I'll... (laughs) I can try and sort it out for you. All if right. You if you just dedicate the rest of your work day to that, that would be great. <laughs> I will. So he's purchased 11 houses and the most expensive is obviously Omer and Oz's and he has admitted that he might have overpaid for it. Like this is where I saw a lot of criticism around like is the block even working mm. if this one man just <laughs> comes in every yeah. year and buys all the properties? Yeah, that's what everyone's saying. Everyone's kind of like, what is the point of making houses for one man or that only one type of person can afford? Like, who can afford $4 million houses that are in the country these days? And it's especially, like, offensive to me personally because it's like the housing situation right now is so bad. We're in an economic crisis. (laughs) And here's old mate, like, Mr. Moneybags walking in and just buying three. Like, he now has, that's, what, nine (laughs) houses just from the block. I'm sure he's yeah. renting them out or something, guys. Come on. Sorry, to play devil's advocate, yep. he does give some of the houses to charity. Okay. There you go, Mel. <laughs> okay, you sorry that I offended your boyfriend, no. Laura. Okay. I'll accept that <laughs> yeah, apology. Yeah, you're still right, Mel, but he's a bit of a philanthropist. Oh, that's nice. And, Shannon, just to finish up, because I know we're having a bit of a laugh and it is a TV show, but I know there's a more serious side to this, that there's been some accusations of racism toward the contestants. That's the story that's really bubbling away today. Is that right? Yeah. I wrote an opinion piece on Omer and Oz, I think maybe a month ago, where I was like, there is something so racist about what's playing out on the block. And it really has happened to Sharon and Uncor as well. So Sharon and Uncor are an Indian couple who came onto the block. Omer and Oz are Lebanese and Assyrian. And they're like the first teams of colours this season. Obviously, the other three teams were white. And to me, we just saw a really interesting narrative play out. Obviously, the block producers, they need to tell a story or else it doesn't make sense. So sometimes they're just going to twist it. They're going to take things out, add things in just to make it look a certain way. But I really think Omar Doors have been played up as dodgy because they work really hard. They don't deal with bullcrap. They hire and fire bad tradies if they need to, if their work's not up to scratch. They get deals. They literally use all their contacts, all their resources because they want to win. Yeah. Obviously, it just doesn't play out well on camera, especially when there's somebody else editing it. And obviously, I don't know all the producers that work on the block or the editing team. But obviously, when they're presumably white, there's only so much like sensitivity that you can have towards people of color. You don't have their lived in experiences. Mm-hmm. You don't understand how hurtful it can be to be called something so innocent, which is dodgy, but to Omer and Oz and their culture and, you know, people that look like them, that is a racist stereotype. So, yeah, and we've really seen it with Uncle and Sharon as well. Sharon has spoken up about how they've been painted to be the villains. And she says, you know, things that I've said where I want to walk off the block, every other contestant has said it too. Every other contestant has threatened it. But really, they've been painted as the crybabies. You know, they've been painted as un-Australian for wanting to quit. They've been told they're whingy. They don't take accountability. And it's just interesting because the show's taken Sharon's worst moments and twisted them into as close of a villain as they could possibly get when really it's just a woman that's, like, in complete distress. Like, this is just 
completely out of experience. But yeah, people just haven't received it well. It doesn't look favorably for them. The fact that the two teams who are people of color are the ones that are being painted as the villain. So yeah, that's probably why. No, that's definitely why <laughs> there is some dialogue about how the block is quote unquote racist. Yeah, that's awful to hear. But I think it's really important that while you've been covering it, Shannon, that you've written about that and highlighted that for people. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you. For giving thank us. You. I feel like I just know so much information now about that. <laughs> you can obviously find Shannon over on our other podcast, Lowbrow, where she talks pop culture with Holly Wainwright. And we'll link some of her blog pieces in the show notes in case you want more of the drama that's going on. Thanks so much, Shannon. Thank you so much, guys. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to The Block Podcast. I'm kidding. The spill today. (laughs) (laughs) If you believe in purpose-driven women's media, consider subscribing to Mamma Mia. Not only does subscribing to Mamma Mia help us keep creating, but it enables us to educate girls in some of the most vulnerable communities in the world. Subscribe to Mamma Mia now. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick and Gia Moylan with audio production by Rhiannon Mooney. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Instagram page. Bye. Bye. Bye.